Recorded live in the Phantasmo Lounge high atop the Tony Amato building in beautiful Midtown Chesapeake, Virginia. It's Phantasmo After Dark with your host, Rob Floyd, and co-host, Phyllis Floyd. Tonight's topic, Hudson Hawk. I just got out of jail yesterday and I'm robbing an auction house. I didn't want to do it. You could be swinging All on I wanted the was star. a cappuccino. Well, hey everybody, welcome back to the old podcast. Hey, Phyllis. Hey, Rob. We thought tonight, in honor of the actual sad news of Bruce Willis retiring from acting because yeah. of health issues, sad. We thought we'd revisit one of uh, our favorite Bruce Willis flicks, Hudson Hawk. I the, love Hudson Hawk. The misunderstood Hudson Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I think you have to be the right person in the right frame of mind to watch Hudson Hawk, but it is a misunderstood film. I think. Yeah. Well, I the, love it. The thing is, it was marketed as an action film. It is not. It's just coming after Die Hard, I think. And it is, it's a little bit of action, but it's also a a weird comedy. And it's a kind of a thriller and an intrigue and it's got some twists and turns. It's a little bit of, a little bit of action, a little bit of live cartoon. (laughs) Yeah. It's some of it, some of the comedy in it is like a, a a live action cartoon. It's, It's that silly, but it plays, plays it straight, but with kind of a nod and a wink to the, you know, the viewer too. And, and a couple of kind of not really musical numbers, but they get to yeah. sing as they do their job. We'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, but if you're you know if you're a fan of Bruce Willis from Moonlighting, then you should love this because it is that kind of light. Uh, I mean, it's a drama. You know, it's serious the plot, but it's light uh, in the tone. Yeah, I actually take. never watched Moonlighting. I don't think I've seen a single episode. And I like Bruce Willis a lot, but I've never seen Moonlighting. Yeah, I watched a little bit of it, but I think it came on at a time when I was, uh, I don't know if I was a teenager, early 20-something, I was going out all the time, mm. you know, so mm-hmm. I wasn't watching a lot of TV unless it was something like Highlander yeah. that I really liked, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but Hudson Hawk is a lot of fun. I mean, if you just want to watch, if you like Bruce Willis and you just want to watch something and enjoy it and have a fun, a fun time watching a movie... This is it. Then yeah, this is this is a blast. And well, let's you know, let's just start off with the cast. Okay. Sure. It's a great cast. Yeah, you've got Bruce Willis in the lead, Danny Aiello, who apparently they were really good friends from when from before they were famous. Oh, okay. And they were all have been looking for a project to do together but could never schedule or find something. So this I came did up. not know this. Uh so Bruce Willis, Danny Aiello, what James Coburn. Right. For God's sake. David Caruso. Mm-hmm. Sandra Bernhard. Sandra Bernhard, Richard E. Grant, Andy, Andy McDowell. McDowell. And, you know, and oh, and Frank Stallone has a bit part in it. Oh, right. And, you know, then, so the story is basically Bruce Willis is Eddie Hawkins. Right. The best cat burglar ever, apparently. Right. His, and, whose name is Hudson Hawk. Yeah, his nickname is Hudson Hawk, which he derives his nickname from because he, he gets in and out like the wind and the the... When the cold wind coming off the Hudson, East Hudson uh, River or whatever, mm-hmm. they was, all they called, called it the hawk. hawk. Yeah. And he grew up over the Hudson. So it's the Hudson Hawk. Yeah. yeah. So that's how he got his nickname and the name of the movie. Indeed. So he's getting out of prison for, uh, we find out later that he was set up on a, on a job to get caught basically and take the rap. Mm-hmm. So he's getting out and his buddy, uh, best friend, Tommy Five Tone. Danny Aiello picks him up, mm-hmm. takes him back to the bar that they both own, which has since had to 
take on partners and this, this upscale, it used to be this cool neighborhood dive and now it's this upscale frou-frou bar that the neighborhood folks can't afford to go to. Yeah. But very important on the way home, what's the one thing that <laughs> he, Hawk really wants? He wants a cappuccino because he hasn't had one when he's in prison and, and Tommy got him a cappuccino, like in a in a paper cup. Yeah. And he opens it and starts to take a sip. And as soon as he does, <laughs> Tommy slams on brakes and he his coffee the goes everywhere. <laughs> so that's a running gag throughout the movie. He never gets his cappuccino every time he tries to, to get one. <laughs> uh, spoilers, until the very end. But as he's getting out of prison, his parole officer, who's a scumbag, tries to get him to do this other job. He tells him no. Then these mob guys come out what the seventh uh, largest crime family right the mario, the mario brothers <laughs> uh who play into the nintendo theme indeed there's there's a the nintendo theme in the movie and so through a series of events he does end up pulling this job like the day after he gets out of prison with aiello mm-hmm. and they have to steal this da vinci piece from this museum and then there's twists and turns about them paper says they stole a replica and the real piece is gonna be auctioned but you find out that it wasn't, and da 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 We meet Andy McDowell, and then Coburn shows up with some his candy bar uh, assistants. <laughs> all of their, all of their team <laughs> are known by code names that are candy bars. So there's Kit Kat and Almond Joy and Snickers, <laughs> Snickers. and Butterfinger. <laughs> Butterfinger. Uh, but he's uh, CIA, and he's it wrapped up in it somehow. So Hawk gets pulled one way, and he gets pulled the other way. Then they knock him out. And they're in New York and knock him out, put him in a box, and he wakes up. He's in Rome. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, well, just before that, at the auction that he goes to, that, that before they knock him out, we meet the... Um, the Mayflowers. The Mayflowers. Darwin and Minerva, which is Richard E. Grant and Sandra Bernhard. And Bunny. And, and Bunny. They're, they're Minerva's dog. Yeah. And they... It, they it, are over, over the, top the top villains. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for a cliche villain, yeah. these they are, are your people. Villain, yeah. And they're amazing. They yeah. do such a good job. The plot, everybody that wants him to steal, they're trying to find these parts. That well, the, Okay, let's, let me backtrack a little bit. The movie opens <laughs> up with a way, way back with Da Vinci. Yeah, Leonardo Da Vinci is trying to, he's been commissioned to create this giant horse bronze sculpture bronze yeah. sculptured horse and because bronze is so scarce because yeah of just a yeah war. right so and then he's trying to come up with a way through alchemy to create bronze yeah. from iron lead or sorry from lead it turn lead into bronze and his machine it actually turns lead into gold right and he realizes of course because he's freaking leonardo da vinci that that's not a good thing that's for not anybody thing. to have so he the crystal piece that focuses the whatever light yeah, it's or like these the mirror machine. crystal yeah. things he breaks it into three pieces and he hides it within three of his pieces yeah. one of them is a miniature um, oh, of a sculpture horse one of them's yeah. a flying horse and the other one is his codex his, yeah. his sketchbook sketchbook and so that's the beginning and so everybody's trying to find these pieces so they can put them together and make this machine and, and collapse and, or, and yes. r- rule the world economy exactly make all the gold they want yeah. Because money will always be paper, but gold, gold. will always, always be, be gold. gold. <laughs> so we get the hawk in Rome, and we find out Annie McDowell, who we met earlier, works for the Vatican. She's like a secret agent nun from the for the yeah. Vatican. <laughs> well, at first, you find out she's 
She works for the Vatican and like as an appraiser or something mm-hmm. is what you think maybe. But then you think that she's you see her doing a tour yeah. through the through the art, you know, and stuff. And so then you think she's like a tour guide slash art historian or something. And then later you learn that she's <laughs> actually a nun. <laughs> like a secret agent nun. Secret agent yeah. nun. <laughs> so while we're while we're in Rome, uh they get Hawk to steal the codex, which he does quite really easy to <laughs> He does. He's like the MacGyver slash cat burglar. Yeah. And he, he just walks like, through the Vatican. Less than a day of planning. And yeah, he, he figures it's out hilarious. how to do it. Yeah. He walks through the Vatican and he's like, I need a pocket fisherman, <laughs> a mirror, uh, like all these random things, a softball. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, what the hell is he going to do with this crap? But he he makes it happen. Yeah. Different people double cross each other and Hawk and Aiello get back together in Rome and... Yeah, and it turns out that, well, you know, lots of spoilers here, of course, but, you know, Tommy was actually kind of playing to In the, on it from the beginning. Yeah, to which trying is... Trying to get Hawk to do the job because he figured it'd be an easy job for them to do one last job and kind of retire on. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, of course, Hawk doesn't like that because he didn't want to do crime anymore. Yeah. And Anyway, there's so... There's a lot of stuff going on in this film. And, it, it you know, for such a light-hearted silly film yeah. it's actually got a lot of plot and there's a lot of a lot, stuff a lot there's of a lot of history intrigue and, and yeah kind of twists and turns it is and while a lot of it is really absurd oh yeah i mean but it's meant to be well like the one of the last lines when after tommy seemingly blows up but he comes riding up on a donkey at the yeah. end he says you're supposed to be blown up into fiery chunks of flesh Sprinkler system set up in the back. Can you fucking believe it? Yeah, that's probably what happened. <laughs> Not like, oh, great. No, it could have happened that way. Well, it did. He showed up. But did he make it up? I mean, you know what? I mean, that's the yeah. whole premise of the movie. Yeah, it could have happened. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and the the tune stuff, the the cartoonish element of it is, you see that here and there. One of the most prominent parts is. Well, a couple of times they fall out of multi-story buildings and they live just fine. Yeah. And that's, you know, of course, absurd. And But one of the, the biggest is during the fight scene between Kaplan and Hawk. And he starts, Kaplan starts wailing on him back and hitting forth. Hitting him back and forth. And, and his, his body keeps going back and forth, back and forth. And he stops hitting him. His body keeps going back yeah. and forth and back and forth. <laughs> yeah, it's very silly. Well, and also, too, the, um, the absurd... Uh, when he's in the ambulance and the gurney oh, flies God. out the back and Bruce Willis is cruising across the, was it the Brooklyn Bridge? Or yeah, Hudson something Bridge? like that. Just on that gurney in between the cars. Yeah, and, and this chick looks over at him. Hey, mister, are you going to die? <laughs> and then he looks up and and something happens in the sheet that's holding him attached to the car rips and then he, full, he just kind of zooms off through the side of the track. Yeah. <laughs> But of course, then after the whole thing is over, he just kind of coasts to a stop right in front of Kaplan and all of well, the, the candy guys. bar it's guys. Like they were right there, knew he was, that's exactly where he was going to end up. Yeah. But they, you know, ah, anyway, you, you just got to go with it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those films that... It doesn't take itself that seriously. It knows what it is. And by is. not taking itself that seriously, you mean not at all. No. <laughs> one of the coolest things, though, about it is the way they rob 
apparently they always did this Aiello and uh well Tommy Five Tone and Hawk. Mm-hmm. They oh, would right. they would say okay it's going to take us a minute to get past the guards a minute to get in here two and some change to grab it and get back out. What do you think? And all these songs that yeah. they know they know how long the songs are. Yeah. So you two actually mi- two you... minutes and fifteen seconds, three minutes and and twelve seconds. So they're like swinging on a star. Yeah. So they start singing the songs, and they know, and that's when how they, they finish time the song. That's all the time. That, yeah. Yeah. So and that's Tommy, cool. Tommy makes a, a he makes some wise crack at Hawk at some point because they they like I don't know quiz themselves, and he'll throw out a song title, and then Hawk will say. Five minutes, 15 seconds, three minutes, 12 seconds, you Uh know, however long the song is. So they go through a whole bunch of different songs. But at some point, he looks over at Hawk and he's like, You know, they invented something while you're inside. It's called a watch. What? (laughs) (laughs) But they're very creative. And and I really enjoyed the the numbers. They're fun. Yeah, it's really really cool. Oh, speaking of music, though, it was killing me. Uh, All the times we've watched this. And it's been randomly throughout, you know, a number of years. Many years. They put these digital handcuffs on him. I say digital. They put this electronic handcuff on him and it's got an electronic lock and it makes a sound when they hit the, when they lock it on him. And I'm like, I know what that sound is. I know what that is. And I couldn't remember what it was. What was it? Doing a little research. It's the sound of the phones in Our Man Flint and In Like Flint. Oh. And Coburn was Derek Flint in those movies, right. and he's in this. So that's great. Yeah, I love it. Which we should watch those again tonight because those are a lot of fun. Okay, well, those I have are to fun watch spy those. Movies. Yeah, maybe um, we have, haven't done a podcast on those, have we? Oh, I don't think so. We should do those. Well, let's watch them tonight. Maybe okay. we'll do another one. We'll maybe we'll record one. another one tonight. Who maybe knows? we'll see. One thing really kind of interesting is in 1980. Okay. Okay. This guy, God, last name Kraft. I can't remember his first name was playing in this bar and all of a sudden he heard this harmonica join in his band and it was this bartender aspiring actor bartender named Bruce Willis uh-huh. who just joined in with his band okay playing harmonica and then he started doing it once in a while when they would play out and they ended up becoming really good friends mm-hmm. and uh, Bruce started to know all their songs and one song was called Hudson Hawk and it was about that wind coming off the... Oh, and he really liked that song. So is that the theme song? Yeah. Because there is a the theme end. song, I think yeah. that's the same song at the end. And Because uh, there is a theme song called Hudson yeah, Hawk. I, I thought they I wrote think, it for the movie. I don't know if it had lyrics at that point, but when Bruce like, really liked it. No, no, I don't think it did because the guy Kraft invited him to write lyrics to it. Ah, how and, cool is that? Yeah. And they, you know, started playing together and they really, you know, they liked each other, stayed friends and... Made a pact, you know. Hey, if we ever, we ever get any one of us gets famous or something, this would make a great character. Yeah, you know, in a movie. Uh huh. And so years later, when it finally came about, here it is. Yeah. So, and this is the only screenplay that Bruce Willis wrote. Oh. He was one of the writers. I think Kraft was another one, and one other guy. Three pe- three of them wrote the movie. That's amazing. I love that yeah. story. I just thought it was really kind of cool. Yeah. You know. I mean, as far as I am aware, Hudson Hawk was a terrible flop. I don't think that many people even know what the hell it is. It was 1991, and like I said, this is right on the heels of his success from Die Hard, which was a a serious action movie. Yeah, yeah. Beloved action movie. Right. Surprising action movie. Right. Because Bruce Willis was that 
comedian from Moonlighting. Yeah, and pretty. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, and then he went, and now he's an action guy. He's comedy. He's not known for anymore. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was coming, and it was billed kind of as a thriller action movie. Mm-hmm. And then it had this Bugs Bunny like comedy in it. This smart <laughs> comedy. It is outrageous, over the top. Some of it. And I, people didn't going in didn't know what to expect. They so, didn't get it. Yeah, it flopped because it it wasn't marketed that way. Yeah, and so people were expecting a more diehard, and it just bombed. It really is a shame because it. I get that this movie is not for everybody. It is very silly, and it is not a serious film by any means. But there's a lot of heart in this film. You can really oh, yeah. feel it. Well, you know, and the it's it's. Fun to it's yeah. a joy to watch. Oh, it is. It always makes me if happy. If you like having fun at the watching movies, yeah, whether it's you know balls out comedy, light comedy, good, just straight up action movie, whatever. If you like to have a good time, uh, this is this is a movie. You should for watch you, it. You know, one thing it does come across. I'm guessing it really did help with Bruce Willis and Aiello actually being longtime friends. Yeah, because their characters really relate you you get a feeling their characters have been longtime friends. Yeah, definitely. It, it definitely feels real natural. Yeah. The way they talk to each other and, and react to each other and everything. Yeah. I I bought it. I bought that the characters were friends. Yeah. You know, instantly. Well you know it's it's funny because there's hardly anyone I know has ever seen this movie. <laughs> except for, you know, you, me, Jessica. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe a couple of other people I've talked yeah. to over the years. Yeah. And and those other people didn't really they like they liked it, but they didn't love it like yeah. I do. I mean, you know how we often talk in, in quotes. Oh yeah. You know, it's it's our thing. Yeah. And we talk in Quotes from Hudson Hawk, and nobody knows what the hell that's from. That's I true. mean, for that's years true. I had Bunny Ball Ball on my phone you as did. as that's a right. ringtone. Bunny Ball Ball, yeah. and everybody was like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> I was like, "Well, if you don't know, you're just Bunny not cool enough." Ball Ball. <laughs> uh, oh, and I just learned today. I don't know how I've never seen the extras on our DVD before because oh. I've never seen. Oh yeah, them. yeah, we haven't watched those. We, we just had never those watched today. the deleted yeah. scenes for that, I guess. But we just learned that there used to be a, a little hawk, a monkey. He had a Eddie had a pet monkey, little, little Eddie, Eddie, little Eddie, little Eddie, and uh, you find out that the mob put a hit on him or something. The mob killed the monkey. Oh. How some, horrible that stuff is that? Was like kinda, two days before yeah. before he gets out of jail, they killed his monkey. But uh, yeah, some of the, the deleted scenes were cut just for time, and yeah. they really didn't add anything to the story. Or no, but it was hilarious. Yeah, it was some, another thing when I was looking up stuff, you know, for the sound bites we insert in here mm-hmm. or you insert in here. <laughs> <laughs> some of the scenes had a little extra dialogue or different dialogue. Oh, you were saying that when you were watching the yeah. trailer. There's one scene where he goes up where. Hudson Hawk goes up to the guard at the Vatican who doesn't speak English. Right. And he just tells him exactly what's happened and what he's going to do. Yeah. And the guy's like, ah, no English. He's like, that's right. But in the trailer, the dialogue is different than it appeared in the movie in that one scene. And the scene where he's going on the gurney riding down, he has a little exchange with those girls in the car. Oh, the one that said, are you going to die? Yeah, where in the movie, they just say, hey, mister, are you going to die? And he's like, ah. Yeah, he just like looks at them and yeah. whatever. I think there might be a couple other little things, but that's kind of kind of neat to see. Yeah. Once in a while, I used to see that in trailers once in a while. Yeah, I've noticed that before. Uh, 
And then when you get to the movie, it's like, wait a minute. What happened <laughs> yeah. in that scene? Yeah. Usually by the time you see the movie, you've forgotten, unless you see yeah. it after. And that happens because, you know, they try to get the trailer out as soon as possible. Sure. Before when the movie, they're done with the edit. Yeah, when they're not through editing the movie. So mm-hmm. they've changed some ideas and in the process, and it gets edited a little different. You know? Yeah. Yeah, so we haven't said a whole lot about Andy McDowell, but she does a really good job in this, too. And so does uh, yeah. Sandra Bernhard. Oh, yeah. Sandra Bernhard is just over the top. Just She's outrageous. There's a whole... Broad character. It's insane. She does a whole um, little dialogue thing on the extras on the DVD, talking about how she created <laughs> funny, yeah. Minerva and and uh, how much she meant to her. And it was that was pretty neat. That was mm-hmm. a cute little cute little thing to watch on the the extras but andy mcdowell she was great i mean she was she's very it, she's just a natural she's, character she's very but, casual yeah and very you know kind of reserved yeah but she does you know throw out some kind of dry wit very you know yeah and that you're like oh wait that was funny you know? yeah yeah where did that come from and then the bit where she's drugged with oh the, god the Ferrari of- i must speak with the dolphins now yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. And she starts squeaking like a dolphin. It was <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I can't remember the first time that I saw this. I know it was on VHS many moons ago. And I think yeah. it was before we met. I think I saw it you know years before that. I I didn't see it until I watched it with you, Yeah, I think. And I can't remember if Jessica had seen it before we all watched it together or if that was something we watched together with her. As a family. As a family. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I know that it's kind of our thing. Yeah. Yeah, but Hudson Hawk is one of those films you just, you can't really appreciate what it is until you've sat down and watched it. And, you know, you've heard me say it's silly and yeah. it's it you can't take it seriously and whatever else. But don't let that put you off if you think it's, that that's not going to be your kind of film. You should yeah. really watch this just to see what you think, because it's not, you can't describe this a, as any other no, movie. And it's not like a farce comedy. It's like, it's a, it's not one specific, it's not one type of movie. Right. It, But to me, it weaves it all together flawlessly. Yeah, it really does. You know, and very, a lot, of, you know, there's few movies that can do that. Yeah. Without it seeing like a convoluted mess. Yeah. I mean, and you know, a lot of films I'll, you watch and you're like, oh, that'll never happen. That's that's impossible. Yeah. And from the very beginning, even though that's certainly a true statement in this film. Oh, yeah, there's, there's tons you of You never here. have that thought, really. You feel like, okay, that's not realistic. That wouldn't happen. Because, because you know. It's, it is a comedy and it has a lot of cartoonish elements. Yeah to the drama that's going on. So (laughs) you kind of just, you know, go with it. It's like, okay, you you understand this is part of the comedy that they fell 30 stories and and threw this awning, you know, and and are alive like, holy crap. Yeah, it just worked. And I like a lot of the the weird transitions they do in this too. Yeah. Because on, on at least, what, three occasions... Hawk gets knocked unconscious or falls and ends up somewhere. Yeah. You know, well, so like one... in, in one case, he he gets knocked unconscious or he falls. He falls from the... He and Tommy Five Tone yeah, jump off the to building. To the awning. And as they crash through the awning, then it cut. he lands in an easy chair in front of the mob guys. Yeah, where he's handing over the thing he just That's stole. a great transition. It's good. Yeah. It's really good. And then they... Uh, I love... This isn't a transition, 
But after he steals the codex, he's supposed to go on his first date with Andy McDowell's character. Oh, yeah. And he's getting away from the Vatican. Yeah. And he, he slides on a rope away from the Vatican. He ends up bouncing off a light pole and lands on the top of this bus. Yeah. And as the bus with is chickens. coming around, yeah, <laughs> this bus is coming around the corner and he jumps off the bus and he lands in the, in the, the outside chair. restaurant, the seat right in front of her. Yeah. And she she has a menu up. She drops her menu. She says, oh, I didn't think you were going to drop by. Yeah. I <laughs> didn't think you were going to make it. And then he does that thing where, you, where you've got chicken feathers in your hand and he you cough, like <laughs> cough he's coughing the, the chicken, chicken feathers, feathers out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I mean, but there's, there's quite a few of those scenes where he, he falls into something and then wakes up Can in another scene. <laughs> yes, that must be how it happened. It could have happened that way. Oh, my gosh. There's yeah, we so watched much. It. Yeah, we watched it this time. We've got the DVD. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if it's out on Blu-ray. I think it actually it might even be on YouTube if it's not on any of the streaming channels. So it's real easy to watch to get a hold of. I'm sure the DVD is still available. Like I said, it may be on Blu-ray. I don't know. Looks like it is on YouTube for free to watch. Oh, okay. So no excuses. Uh, so you must watch <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. Make yourself some popcorn and sit down and watch this movie. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, I think it's a fitting tribute to uh, Bruce Willis's career, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Because it, 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 it looks like Bruce is having a good time making this movie. Yeah. I've never know? actually, and maybe I should have gone and done that before we did our podcast, but I've never seen him talk about this movie ever. But from the story you just told me, yeah. it sounds like this was actually a, a labor of love. It was, but I don't know. I haven't watched him talk about it either in any interviews. I know some other people, like Richard E. Grant, later said it was a steaming pile of crap or something Ugh. like that. But it's every, not. you know, all actors typically and, and musicians, any project they do that bombs, mm-hmm. they trash it. Yeah. Like, oh, it was a mistake to do that. Oh, that was the worst thing I ever did. You know, instead of going, hey, you know, it did, it wasn't a success. But I enjoyed doing it, or I thought it was a good movie. You know, yeah, yeah. Rarely do you hear that. Yeah. So it, yeah, it would be interesting to go back and look at some interviews with Bruce Willis and see what he has to say about this. Yeah, I would. I would like to know at different points. I would definitely like to know how he feels about it. It's um, it's one of my favorite Bruce Willis movies. I mean, I'm not like the biggest Bruce Willis fan, but I do like Bruce Willis. Well, everybody and a likes lot Bruce of the Willis. things he's done. He's a likable guy. Yeah, know? but yeah, as far as our Bruce Willis tribute as it is, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this still is one alive. of my favorites. He didn't yeah, die. yeah, no, he's no. Just, it's just he's retiring. He's, and he's had uh, some health issues, yeah. cognitive health issues, and so he's retiring from acting, which yeah. is a shame. It is a shame. Um, I'm sad that he's having to retire. I'm yeah. sure that he doesn't want to, but, you know, I just felt like this was, uh, this was a little nod to one of the things we love that he's done. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So go check it out. No excuses. Like That's I said. right. Well, this is short, but I think that we've said enough about it. If you can't tell how much we love it and think you need to see it, then I don't think we did a good job. <laughs> yeah. well, there's one thing left to do. We have to prove that the world revolves around Planet of the Apes. So this game... We do just about every episode. Clayton and I discovered many, many years ago, long before the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon game, that you can connect anything and anyone back to the original Planet of the Apes movies or series within a few steps, usually. It's true. So we try to do that 
you know, like I said, just about every episode here. And Phyllis is going to give me somebody from this movie, and I will connect them back to Planet of the Apes in as few steps as possible. Well, I mean, this is, you know, all about our favorite Bruce Willis movie, so I think you have to connect Bruce Willis back to Planet of the Apes. Okay, Bruce Willis. All right. <laughs> Bruce Willis. Okay. Okay, we're going to go modern. All right. Bruce Willis, The Expendables. Okay. With Schwarzenegger. All right. The True Lies. Charlton Heston was his, his boss, and Schwarzenegger's boss in True Lies. Seriously. Apes. With an eye patch looking like an old Nick Fury. I don't even remember that. Yep. Wow, who, that was really short. Who is gonna be who is gonna boss Schwarzenegger around? I mean, yeah. Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston. Like I said, with an eye patch looking like an old Nick Fury. Awesome. Well, that was really quick. Hey. Sometimes <laughs> it is. Once again proving that the world does indeed revolve around Planet of the Apes. So go watch all the original Planet of the Apes movies or the series. Or the cartoon. <laughs> or, all the above. And, or all of the above. And then watch Hudson, Hudson Hawk. Indeed. <laughs> Good job. You are welcome. <laughs> well, I guess that's about it. Well, that's all I've got. So, till next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Good night. Good night. You could be swinging on a star. Let's take it home. You could.